0: This is the last message in this series called uh, Mission Control. And uh, we've been focusing on the four aspects of our mission statement, which are live, learn, love, and lead. We live for Christ, to learn his ways, to love the world as he does, and lead others to him. And today is that lead others to him. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a process we have uh, that's called assimilation which is bringing people into the church. And it always reminds me of, of Star Trek where uh, the Borg come along and tell you that you will be assimilated. If you know that this is Locutus, then you are a nerd. Uh, so, uh, that's just out there, Jeremy, uh, the, uh, <laughs> this identifying people for who they are, but the, uh, the concept of the Borg always fascinated me. And this is just, this is my geek moment for the morning, uh, because I, my wife always got upset with this because she hates when I draw, uh, religious analogies to Star Trek, but the Borg, I, Gene Roddenberry was an atheist, And had no use for Christianity whatsoever. And I suspect that as he was trying to conceive of this enemy called the Borg, that he was actually thinking of how Christianity works. Because the concept was you have this group of people who are all interconnected and they come upon civilizations and they assimilate people, bring people into their hive uh, by making them like each other with a central core unit, meaning that they they become part of a collective where they all think uh, together in harmony together. And and I started thinking, you know, that's that's what God does, you know, And, and that's. The fear and the reason why it's interesting to me is because you're looking at it from the perspective of someone who does not want to be assimilated of someone who does not want to be brought into a collective mindset of someone. We talk about there is one body, one faith, one baptism, one Lord. We talk about that in a positive sense. But if you don't want to be a part of that one, then uh, we become the enemy. And that's exactly who our the what the enemy is. The enemy, Satan, the devil, uh, and all the aspects of hell that we talk about, and, and his mission on earth is to keep us separated from the one. To keep us separated from the one. So, so if you understand, if you can kind of understand that there are people who don't want, either don't want to be or are afraid to be, a part of this collective mindset. It helps us as we are trying to lead other people to Jesus to understand why they would be resistant to that. Because you're thinking of it in terms of, oh, why wouldn't everybody want to be a part? Jesus loves everybody. Jesus loves the little children. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And we that grow up thinking about Jesus healing people and helping people and loving people. But one thing about him that we fail to see the, the fear of is if you are ruggedly independent and do not want to be helped or do not want, if you want to think on your own and be your own and and look after yourself and you be the one who is control in control of your own world, then you're going to have a problem with Jesus. And the reason is because Jesus is trying to take over your world. The only way we come to Jesus, the only way we, we desire him fully is when we believe that we cannot get to where we want to be on our own. When we come to terms with, I want to be here and I can't get there without Jesus's help without him taking over. And so that's why we sing songs like I surrender all because it is a complete and total surrender. And and so there's this idea. so, So when we talk about assimilation, and, and that's bringing people into the church. And, and when people come in, there's a process of when people come and visit, how do we get them from just visiting and checking out the church and checking out the Bible and checking out Jesus to actually being a follower of Jesus Christ to, to fulfilling the great commission of where we are actually making disciples? How do we get to there? Well, the, the big, huge step is, is that it has to be something that uh, God is doing. And so as we go through these points today, I want you to understand all of this, everything we're talking about, depends on God doing a work in someone's life. There is nowhere in the Bible where he is expecting us to come up with some masterful plan to convert people, to get people to change their minds about who he is. We, we don't have to do that. He is the one who accomplishes that. We don't have to be the ones who mastermind this operation. He, he desires to bring people into the church and he alone can change the spirit of a human being, change the heart of someone uh, to make them to make them desire who he is. And and so he's he's the one sometimes it feels strange to pray for calamity in the life of someone, but but when you are when calamity comes in people's lives, a lot of times that's when people turn to the Lord. They they realize you have to come to the end of yourself. You have to come to a place where you realize I can't do this. Oh, I thought I could. I thought I could do this on my own. I thought I'd get a degree and get a good job and make enough money and get all my world exactly the way I wanted it. And then I wouldn't need any help from anybody, especially God. So God has to wreck that world or allow that world to be wrecked and, uh, in order for that person to see their need for God. So, so the, uh, the, the, the idea is this, in, in, a, in a good way, when we say that you will be assimilated, meaning that when God pursues you, when God pursues you, uh, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It is, it is a great thing. And, uh, and I, I, hope that, I hope the analogy doesn't go too far off. But I, I hope that you understand that there are going to be people who are afraid of you when you come hounding after them and saying, hey, we want you to be a part of who we are. Because they're afraid of because they are afraid they'll lose themselves if they become part of who we are. And here's the reality. They will lose themselves. In fact, Jesus said that. He says, if you love your life, you're going to lose it anyway. But if you'll lose your life for me, then you're going to find life. And so all we're saying is is everybody's going to lose their life. You're afraid you're going to lose your life. You are going to lose your life. That's the whole problem with the world in which we live. Everybody's going to lose their life. We're just saying, if you lose your life in Christ, then you will find life. That's our only hope. And uh, and so that's that is the while the message of the gospel has a bad side to it. it first, you have to let people know the ship is sinking, <laughs> and then we say, oh, but there is a way out. There is a rescue operation that's taking place. Look at me in First Thessalonians. It, in this, we're looking at a different part of First Thessalonians. I mentioned to you each week. And if you're just joining us, we've been 1 Thessalonians all week, but this this letter is Paul's first letter uh, that is, this is the first letter of the New Testament. Actually, this is the first book of the New Testament, uh, as far as timelines go. This was the first words written to the church that we have recorded for us in the Scripture. Uh, And... And Paul is writing to the church and saying to them, hey, I, I just want to give you some insight and some wisdom on how this is, what this is all about. And, um, and and so he he's talking about, in this starting chapter, how, how, how thankful he is for the work that God is doing in bringing people into the faith. How thankful that he is for them and for what he is doing. And look what he says in verse 5. He says, for our gospel... Did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with much assurance. You know what kind of men we were among you for your benefit. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord when, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us. And, and when other people were to come around to express other f- faiths, whether it be uh, denominations or complete other religions, my strategy that I was taught was to cover my ears and close my eyes and yell and just scream as much as I could until they left. And then it would be okay again because uh, all these other people are trying to convince me that uh, I'm wrong and they are right. And, and so I was afraid. I was afraid of people who had differing viewpoints than me. I was afraid of people who had uh, different mindsets than me because I was afraid that they were going to try to get me into their, their bandwagon. And, and if they were successful, then all would be lost. I was so terrified that somebody was going to change my mind about the things that were right. And the, and the worst part about that mindset was I wasn't even really sure what we believed. I wasn't really even sure what was right. And then it got even more difficult in your life because you're asking people, okay, what do we believe? What what do we believe about this? Then the challenging part came in: who do you ask that question to? Who do you who do you ask? What do we believe? Who do you trust with that question? And uh, we had uh, multiple pastors growing up. The pastor that I really trusted and believed, he died when I was very young or, you know, before I even became a teenager. He was the one that helped lead me to the Lord. And the director of missions that was in our association that helped lead me to the Lord, he died also when I was very young. And, uh, and so we had a string of pastors that really, just to be honest, it seemed like they didn't know what they were talking about. I don't know how to say that in a kind way. Uh, But uh, they just did. They they had, you know, it's kind of like you ask a question like, boy, that is a good question. Let's move on to something else. Uh, and, And it was kind of frustrating for me. So I really did get into this idea that we were just blind sheep. And that's all religion was. And I think that there's a lot of people who think that. I think there's a lot of people in the world who look at Christianity and believe we're all just a bunch of blind sheep just walking walk if we were led off a cliff, we just go off the cliff. But that is not true. That is not true. And if you think that, I, I think it's really important for you to understand it's not true. I have a friend whose son is becoming an astrophysicist. And he says he's really struggling with his faith because it doesn't line up with the things he's learning in his doctoral program. And, and because he grew up in a rural church in Kentucky and, and the teaching, I mean, I had him for just a year before he left high school. And it was like we didn't have a lot of chance to get into deeper things. And so I send him materials and things uh, on a much deeper intellectual. Level, So you can understand that there are a lot of people who, who are very serious thinkers, people that are a lot smarter than I am, who have thought through all these things and still believe. And the most liberating thing that anybody ever taught me was they said, uh, you should put the Bible to the test. You should put the gospel to the test. You should challenge it. Because if it can't hold up to the most severe scrutiny that you can give it, then it's not worth following. Because it's from God. It's from God. It should be bulletproof. It should be, there should be nothing that can tear it down. And you know what? There isn't anything that can tear it down. It has been assaulted for 2,000 years, more so than any other religious system, more so than any other belief uh, system, more so than the Bible itself has been assaulted more than any other book on the planet, and with good reason because we say it's the Word of God. The Quran doesn't take Take the hits that uh, we, you know, the Muslims have a much different approach to things. Like if you challenge it, we'll just, you know, kill you. And so that's, uh, that's just how, (laughs) that's an easier way to do it. But we don't do that. We just challenge it. See what it is. At the end of the day, it does require faith. It does require faith so that uh, you have to believe it to be true. Believe it to be true. But uh, look at what Paul, how Paul starts out here. He says in verse 5, he says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only. He says, this isn't just something we're just saying. These are just words we're putting together. He says, but, but also in power. In the Holy Spirit and with much assurance. You see, this good news is infused with God's strength and power. So when you and I go out and share it, it's not just us just throwing out words and trying to come up with a better argument than other people have. We have to understand that God himself is ordaining the situation, is ordaining the words. When you and I take time to share the gospel, when you and I see this person and say, "Ah, this person, I want to share Jesus with this person. or I want to talk to this person about the Lord. or I want to talk to this person about how they can be a follower of Christ. God is in that situation. And it will take more than you and more than your words to do what God wants to do. But that's okay, because God is ready to unleash His power in the moment. And and so you go forward. That's strength. All we have to do is just be available instruments, be ready and prepared to be. Let the Spirit of God be empowered through us. You ever heard the, the saying? Sometimes I just get in the way. I, we do. We just get in the way sometimes. God is trying to do something, and we're trying to, to fix it for him or to make it work. And sometimes we get in the way of what he's doing. And sometimes he's just saying, I, I got this. You just, all I need you to do is just be there sometimes. And, uh, look at, and he goes on, he says, uh, You know what kind of men we were among you for your benefit. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. When in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. Here's the first simple truth about leading other people to Jesus. We simply simulate others. We just simply do what other people do. We follow leaders who follow Jesus. We are simply uh, people who... uh, Simulate it. It's going to come up there any moment now. Here it comes. Ready. There it is. Uh, we simulate uh, and we are we follow leaders who follow Jesus. So here's here was remember I said before I didn't know who to ask the questions to. I didn't know who to ask. Here's who you ask. Here's who you look at when you're trying to figure out how to do this. You look for people who follow Christ. You look for people. You, you read the word. You try to understand Jesus the best you do. And when you see people who line up with what you're reading about Jesus and their lifelines up with, you start with Galatians 5, 20, 21, 22, and look at the fruit of the Spirit. You can see the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. When you see somebody whose life is filled with the fruit of the Spirit, then you can say, oh, that's a follower of Jesus. Especially when they proclaim Jesus and they have, this, and they have the fruit of the Spirit. And they line up with the truth of God's word to the extent that you know it. Then go with it. And then just do this. Do what they do. Do what they do. That's what Paul's saying. You just imitated us. You knew what kind of men we were. You knew we were from God. You knew we we were followers of Christ. And you just simply did what we did. This is, I, I know it sounds almost too easy, but. That's that's it. You simply simulate it. And really we do that, don't we? In the extent of our faith, a lot of it is just simply I do what other people have dem- modeled for me, demonstrated for me. I, I I see people who I love uh who in the faith, and I'm I'm just uh amazed by their love for Jesus and how God uses them and the power within their You know, I had a, a good friend, my mentor in the faith, guy I followed uh for years. Um uh, he always told me this. He said because people would say, well, this guy says this, and this guy says this. He said, well, look at the fruit of their life. Look and see what God's doing. Is there? Can you see God's power being demonstrated in their life? Or are they just a person that has a lot of excuses? Uh, this is why this failed, and this is why this failed, and this is why this failed, and this is why we never nothing ever happened here, and this is why God never moved in this place. Do they just say that all the time? Or can you actually see that God did something in their life, and God did infuse them with power, and God did they did something, and God blessed it. And when you see God blessing a person and God's power being demonstrated in those people's lives, okay, that's authentic. That's real. You know, and that's you know, my mentor. His name is Steve Ayers, and he's a pastor of a church in Bowling Green, and uh, and that was and he was a guy who who could back that up because they were a church that went from thirty to five thousand. I mean, I remember when they were going to close their doors, and they went in with a simple message. And he is so uncouth and so unorthodox and so. It so difficult for me to trust, so difficult for me to walk alongside and, and to and to say I, you are so different than what I was taught to be like. I you know, he when he would drive his Harley out onto the stage during a church service, you're like, ah, this is really I'm struggling with this. I'm, I'm really struggling with how this works. But they have baptized over 500 people a year for over a decade, for over a decade. Nobody has done that. Nobody does that. And yet it happens there. And and God, God showed me more and, more and more. He says, you know what? I, don't get caught up in the outside package. Don't get caught up in the outside package. Look for the real stuff inside. Look for their real heart for me and their real love for Jesus. And I know this about Steve. Other people say whatever they want to say. But I know this because I know him. I know he loves the Lord. I know he's, he loves the Lord. And he has a passion for people to... No, Jesus, and he shares the gospel. And so that's what you're looking for. So we simulate. So after that, uh, this is a, this is a, in honor of today. We have a deacon election. So my next one was beacon election. Uh, but this is a little bit um, a little play on words here. God, when you feel compelled to share the gospel, God has chosen you to be his light God has chosen you and you need to know that he didn't just save you so that you could go to Sunday school and church every week. He saved you to be a light in a dark world. He puts his light in you because he wants it to shine. He says a city on a hill, you know, you you need to be a city on a hill. You need to be, you know, don't don't put that light under a bushel basket. You know we don't I don't think we ever use bushel baskets very much but but you know this little light of mine i'm gonna let it shine that one don't put it on a is it a bushel basket yeah, that's right uh hide it under yeah thank you travis you can say- don't sing it uh I get it uh, but the <laughs> the uh but the uh won't let Satan blow it out i remember that one, but here's the thing there's truth in that you are a light, you are light look what paul says in verse seven he says. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. By simulating us, by imitating who we are, and and simply doing the things that we did, you became an example. He says in verse 8, For the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God I think we stopped there. Yeah, there. Not only a and game. We'll get to the next part. For the Lord's the main part is this part, first part. For the Lord's message rang out from you when you are simulating others who follow Christ and and saying the things that they say and reading the words that God has given us and just reading through it. This is what God's word says. You don't have to come up with some new and novel way. When we just simply imitate. how it was done for us. You know, the thing I loved about Campus Crusade was that uh, we would go over it. It was a very simple thing. We have four spiritual laws. And whether you like the four spiritual laws or not, or whether you think they're totally biblically accurate or whatever, I'll tell you this. I saw people get saved through the four spiritual laws. And that's all I could do was simply imitate what other people did with the four spiritual laws. And I saw other people come to Christ. But not only do we simulate we demonstrate we demonstrate we lead people to jesus through our words and our actions we simply now go out and live the life in that that part of that simulation is now i'm doing it i'm going out and i'm doing the actions that jesus would do or the people that i know follow jesus would do i'm i'm sharing the gospel as other people modeled that for me I'm setting up an appointment. Let me get back to Campus Crusade. What we would do is they would take us out. We would set up an appointment with a guy in the cafeteria and say, hey, we'd meet somebody and say, hey, do you mind if we get together sometime and talk for a little bit? And so we'd say, how about 1 o'clock on Tuesday at, you know, at Duck, down in the University Center at Western? Yeah, oh, yes, fine. So we'd get together and we'd sit. And then I'd be there with them. And I wouldn't really say anything. I'd just sit there watching them do this. And then the next time they say, hey, do you want to walk through the booklet with them? Sure, that's fine. And then the next time uh, I do it and then do a little bit of it and then do more and more of it. And then they're like, now you set up a appointment with somebody and take somebody with you. That hasn't done it before. And so now I'm making the phone call or I'm meeting people out. But but I, I was comfortable with it because I'm simply just doing what I saw this other person do. But I can't just simply watch those other people do it. I have to then do it myself and demonstrate to someone else how to do it. You see, I'm not just simply trying to share the gospel with people myself. I'm trying to teach other people how to share the gospel. I'm, I, take, I'm lear- I have to start learning from someone and simulating them. And now I'm demonstrating to other people how to do it themselves. And this is, how, this is how the church has grown for 2,000 years. We have people who simply are doing what other people have done, and now they're teaching other people how to do it. They're setting an example. You were shown an example. Now you set an example. I hope that sounds simple, right? But as simple as it is, we don't do it very often. We don't do it very often. It is impossible for me. To do that with every person in this church. But I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. This is just a very sobering moment. The reason why this room is mostly empty during this service. Is because we don't do this. I'm guarantee, I guarantee you this. If everybody in here since September 17th of last year had targeted somebody and said, I'm going to demonstrate the go- how to share the gospel. D- the one thing, I'm going to share the gospel with people and I'm going to take somebody with me and show them how to share the gospel with people. if Everybody had done that. This room would be twice as full. That's just a reality. And, and the reason why it's important to understand that is because there's an enemy who's trying to keep you from doing that. Last point, I was here at Deacon's meeting and they were talking about a soap opera As the World Turns. I don't know if you've ever seen As the World Turns, but it has, this point has nothing to do with the soap opera. It just made me think, oh wow, my deacons are watching soap operas. Uh, <laughs> that's all I really got out of that. But the, uh, uh, they really weren't. It was Ronnie Morris. I don't think he watches As the World Turns, but it just it came up. They asked him if he was and he just kind of joked about it. But but this soap opera, I don't know if you remember, I've never watched As the World Turns, but I remember seeing the world spin around and it's got a little similar thing, As the World Turns or something. I remember hearing that little intro. And it kind of reminds me that while we're doing this, while we're doing this preaching thing, going to Sunday school and all of our church stuff or whatever, the world is still going. It still does its thing. Everybody's doing whatever they do each and every day and they don't care what we're doing in here. They have their thing and we have ours. Where it gets dicey is when we step out of this world and into their world. That's when things get crazy. Look what Paul says. He says... The last part of verse eight, he says, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out, therefore we don't need to say anything for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. He's saying, when we are doing that, when, when you are simulating what we've done, imitating us in Christ, and when you are demonstrating to others, uh, setting the example, when, when this process is taking place, the world changes. People turn from the things they depended on the world that weren't working, and now they're embracing Christ who rescues us. You see, we are just looking for people who desire to be rescued. That's what we're looking for. Remember the song, Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying? Uh, We are looking for people who are desperate and ready to be rescued. Those are the ones, that's the fruit, that's the harvest that's ready to pick. Remember Jesus said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That's because a rich man's got it figured out. He doesn't need God. He's got his money to depend on. He thinks he's still making it. It it means that people have to come to the point of desperation. It doesn't mean rich people can't get into heaven. It just means only rich people who realize that their wealth is not going to save them can get into heaven. It has to be people who realize they have to be rescued, that they need help. Hearts have to be changed. People have to wake up. Whatever the case, you have to realize you're in a pigsty. Even if it doesn 't look like a pigsty, you have to in your world, it has to be a pigsty. it has to be something you don 't want to stand anymore it has to be something you believe there 's somewhere better you can be, and then we show up and say, there is somewhere better you can be and let me tell you how you get there but this is the word and i 'm going to use this as a verb, but understand you can't you can 't do any of these things on your own you can 't simulate people who follow Christ in your own strength you can 't demonstrate the power of God in your own strength and this word regenerate you absolutely can't regenerate people you can't regenerate people what we do is how we how we do what god wants us to do what our part in this is we lead others to live as a new creation in christ meaning that if god has changed them now our part is saying okay let me show you how to live as the person that god has made you what that will look like and if they can do it, then God has changed them. And if they can't do it, then God hasn't changed them and they still need to be changed. That's why, the, that's why church discipline goes back and says, you know, if they're, if they're not following me, treat them as an unbeliever. Because that just means that God hasn't made it, hasn't made a different. It has to be, God has to change the person. And we know this in practical reality. We are so, we're so bad at understanding what we already, we already believe. We already know that if God doesn't do the work, does it take? Yet we have this expectation. We're like, why is this person not being? Why is this person coming? I saw that person come to the altar and in, with tears and weeping. They, they gave their heart to Jesus. Why now are they living like the devil? Because they they came to the altar and earnestly wanted their life to be different, but nothing changed. They were not reborn. They were not regenerated. They were not made new. That's why when they went out and tried to live like Jesus, they couldn't do it. And you don't look at people like that and say, shame on you for not, no, you don't do that. You say, we got to do this again. We, We got to try again. Seek him. If you want to be changed, ask God to change you. I, I, don't, I never understood this. I never understand. It goes, I, maybe I think differently than most people think. I don't understand why people have such a hard time coming to the altar at church. Why people, you know, at my last church, and this is a little vent, I'm just venting a little bit here. At my last church, everybody came every week. And nobody ever said, but they did it first. They said, what's wrong with those people? <laughs> why are they coming to the altar all the time? The reason why they came to the altar every time. So they were simply humbling themselves before God and saying, God, I need your help. I can't do this without you. I can't. I want to make sure that I am in your power and not my own. Pride. Pride makes us believe. This This is why the gospel is not powerful right now. It's because we're trying to say to people, I can do this without God. A, a really, a huge change in my life came when I um, realized I prayed in secret all the time. I thought that was, I was being very holy about that. I was, I'm always going to my prayer closet. I'm going to pray. I don't want anybody to know I'm praying. And I'll try to hide it from people. Because <laughs> I thought that was what you do. You don't want people to know. You don't want the right hand to know what the left hand is doing. And then I realized, no, no, he's saying you don't do it for show. But the people you're discipling, the people you're teaching need to see my children need to see me pray. My children need to see that when I don't know what to do, which is often I go to God and ask God, what do we do? My children need to hear me say, I am not Superman. I'm just some dumb guy who's blessed. I, you know, I didn't have this figured out. I went to God and said, God, I can't figure this out. And then God showed me how to do it. And you know what that teaches my children? It teaches them don't call dad because he has all the answers. It teaches them that my dad always goes to God for the answers. And if I want answers, I also can go to God. So if I leave, they're still good. And that's what people need to see in you. That's what you need to do. You need to go to God whenever you need help and you're, And the people around you need to see that you have to go to God every time you need help. Your neighbors need to know. We saw that you were struggling financially there from a distance. And then everything turned around. What happened? Don't tell them how you figured it out. Tell them that Jesus saved you. In your ignorance, he did whatever he does. You prayed, he answered, and now everything's great. You may not be able to tell them how to invest in the stock market like you did, but you can tell them this. This is how God showed me how to do it. This is how, I, this is how the process starts. I got on my knees before God and said, God, help me. And this is how he helped me. And the, and the moral of the story is God helped me. And friends, that's what people need to hear. They need to hear, I messed up. I went to God. He heard me, saved me. Put my life back. And he can do that for you, too. He can do that for you, too. When I was in pain, he healed me. When I was suffering, he delivered me. When I was doubtful, he he helped me to be assured. Jesus, 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 always, Jesus, is the one who saves. Always. So here's how we do this. Ask God today to use you to lead others to him. Just God, God use me to lead other people to you. How do I do that? I do it however it's modeled to you. Do it that way. And if you need a better model, then God will bring a better model into your life and say, okay, here's somebody better. (laughs) Do what they do. And then demonstrate it to somebody else. Don't just do it on your own. Show other people now what you know. Other believers say, hey, watch me go and lead this person to Christ. Come with me as I do this. Watch me. This is how I pray. This is how I study the word. This is how I, this is how I live for Christ. This is how I learn about him. This is how I love other people as he loves me. And this is how I lead other people to do that. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for your love and for your grace. And pray, Father, this morning that we would respond to your invitation. We don't all have to come forward. I didn't mean to imply that. But we do all have to humble ourselves before you. We do all have to recognize that we can't do this in our own strength. We do all have to recognize that this is not our power. This is your power. If it's not working, it's not because you can't work. It's not because you aren't able to do it. It's just because we're not doing it. So, Lord, change us. Regenerate us. Make us new. And let the world see it. And as the world sees your power in our lives, Lord, I know that they will turn from their idols they will turn from their false hope and they will look to the real hope that we have in our lives. But before that can happen, Lord, it has that hope has to be real to us. So Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who that hope is not real to, may today be the day they put their faith in you and say, Lord, I, I need hope from you. And Lord, may you grant it to them in your power, for we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.